Probably, that would make more sense. You came up with this list, so this is your fault. <laughs> Excuse me. Hi, and welcome <laughs> to Cage Break, episode six, five, five, episode five. Um, we have a special guest here today with us, our wonderful school librarian, Miss Johnson. Yay! Hey, everyone! <laughs> We're really excited to have her on here because she's the best. Yes, and she's going to add more depth, I think, to this than we do, so <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, as always, this is the first episode of the month, so let's start with our reading updates. Miss okay. Johnson, would you like to start? I would love to. Um, so I finished in August a really great book called Charming as a Verb by Ben Philippe. Um, if you were at FHS for summer reading, um, you may have heard me recommend The Field Guide to the North American Teenager. Um, this is the author's second book. I love it because the main character is a male. He's sarcastic. Um, and there's also, of course, there's like a romance. Um, it's not a, um, like academic enemies per se, but along the lines. Oh my God. Um, That's my favorite yeah. trope ever. And I feel like he does it really well. And I feel like when it's, um, we read so many books right now that are written from a female perspective. Yeah. So I loved having the, the male perspective. Yeah. Um, I also think that the language in this book is super appealing to boys. Um, so it's definitely, I'm glad that I read this book. Um, so yeah, that was, and I, I gave it three and a half out of five stars. Um, so like better than average, but not like super. Yes. Yes. Nice. Do you want to go next? I will. Okay. So I read, um, Beach Read. By Emily Henry. Why do you sound confused? <laughs> I was like, wait, did I say that right? Okay. Um, I'd give it like a four out of five stars. I really liked it. Like if you're looking for like a cutesy read with like a nice romance, but like the characters also have like a lot of problems that they're trying to sort out. Like it's that kind of thing. But it's it was really nice. I liked it. Nice. And then I read um, A Neanderthal Opens the Door to the Universe by Preston Norton. I give it three out of five stars. I thought it was, like, good, but I could picture this as a movie. Like, I feel like the plot would have worked better if it was, like, a high school, like, coming-of-age movie type thing rather than in a book, which is really weird because normally you want to, like, hear what the characters are thinking yeah. and stuff, and you can only get that in a book, but I didn't feel like that this time. I felt like it, you could see it happen because there's, like, the cl- the climatic scene would have been perfect as like a movie scene because <laughs> did you read any other books so i am like heavily reading lots of non-fiction for education oh, so wow. i'm thinking this is like the not the right um, <laughs> lens for your readers yeah we stay away from non-fiction <laughs> can't recommend any textbooks too <laughs> no so I'm, I'm gonna hold off on those <laughs> okay so Kind of like an episode description. Wait, 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 I have one more book that I really okay, want to talk about. I read Daisy Jones and the Six. I'm by currently Taylor reading Jenkins. that. Oh my god, I have the book in my backpack. It's so good. I love it so much. The fact that it's written as in like a doc, like an oral documentary, like an interview style. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then the plot twist at the end. You haven't gotten it yet. Don't even like don't spoil. Oh, it's so good. I love it so much. Okay. Now we can move on. Okay, so we're, we're going to be interviewing Miss Johnson for a little bit, asking her a few questions, and then we're going to be moving on to the topic, like the bias about reading in the school community, and we're just going to be discussing about that. So, uh, first of all, just a little bit about Miss Johnson. We have a couple questions for her. First things first, 
let's talk about your experiences with different authors as a librarian right you get to like connect with a bunch of them and talk and have them come to the school and stuff so maybe like your most memorable experiences and maybe one of your worst experiences if, if you, you feel comfortable no I, I will absolutely share that okay. um so I spent my first 16 years at the elementary level so I have met lots of picture book authors mm-hmm. and children's authors um so at the high school it's slightly more limited um but I did have like the amazing opportunity to meet Kwame Alexander um he is a he writes novels in verse um solo um rebound um he like exactly how you imagine him speaking like it like how his written word is is how he speaks in person he also writes children's books um picture books and I got to see him in like this intimate little setting it was mostly teachers and artists and other writers and um, spoken word poets and he read one of his books like it was a spoken word poem and it was just absolutely amazing and he just gave great messages for reaching all students and making sure that we have equity and um in our libraries and that we're making sure that all of our kids see themselves on the pages of books um at the young adult level my most challenging experience um (laughs) would be we had it was my first year we had signed an author to come for our lit fest Mm -hmm. so due to covid we couldn't have lit fest last year so this is lit fest 2019 and what is lit fest so lit fest is a three-day like festival celebrating all things literary so um we have authors poets editors um journalists we had a singer songwriter so it kind of is a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. so the most challenging was we had a lit fest author that we had gotten through rj julia bookstore we have a um collaboration with them and so we bought all the books we had the author coming and we're trying to promote her books so every teacher who was promoting lit fest took one of the books by this author to read Mm -hmm. And I took a book, and again, this is like my second month teaching at the high school. And I took a book, and it was really traumatic. Um, It had a lot of, I was about a girl who um, was online. Her parents thought she was being safe online. She was not being safe online. She met a man, Mm -hmm. and then just some traumatic things happened. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. Like, do, do kids read these things? So I, like, pinned a bunch of pages yeah, and came yeah. back and asked the teachers. And I said, this does not feel like a book that I want to promote yeah, to kids. Yeah. And I said, am I just naive? Like, like is this mm-hmm. not, like, is, or is this okay? And they all read it. Like, their faces dropped. And yeah. I knew, like, this was definitely, like, a book, like, yes, the author had written it. Let's cross our fingers that she does not talk about this book. Yeah. She talks about all her other books. Um, and we just kind of like shoved the book like it's still on the shelves so that if someone does have this type of issue come up like we can we still have the book yeah. to go to but it's not about you will never hear me book talk this book yeah That's, so that must be so awkward for you like yeah. in front of the author yeah like having to like converse with them after seeing what they wrote yep and I just tried to like keep the conversation going on yeah. her other books um was she like trying yeah to bring tell me back? she didn't like talk she, about luckily her. she didn't okay. it was a book okay. she had written a few books ago and I think like if it had been a great book we probably would have like worked into our discussion mm-hmm. with her um so luckily she like stayed on topic and didn't veer off oh, but I was like God. I mean even we invited eighth graders so it was there oh, was God. for the, a luncheon that we had with her she did a presentation and she had a lunch and so we had the eighth grade come up 
And I was just praying that um, oh my God. she wasn't going to bring up this book. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. Okay, moving on to the second question. Um, what books would you recommend based on social justice topics? I love this question because there – and there were so many. Like, because – so if you um, – I have so many that are fiction, but if I could only choose one, I would say Stamped. Um, and the version by Jason Reynolds, um, because I it really Jason is Reynolds. like amazing. And he, they just like spell, and so it's um, he co-authors it, and it just basically like spells it out. And as as an adult and knowing how I learned history, and like that was my major through college, it just opened my eyes to the same events that I've learned about through a textbook through a white person's eyes, and really just explicitly spelled out things that were missing all the way from like Columbus to Obama. Okay. I highly recommend. I mean, it's nonfiction, so I get nonfiction yeah. is not yeah. everyone's um, like favorite choice, favorite thing to go to. But that one is written in a much easier way. There's not a lot of things to unpack, and it happens, and they do it chronologically. So I feel like if you are, I mean, if you're living in America right now, like you need to read Stamped. Like you need to know why we have systemic racism and yeah. why it's still an issue today. And this book just like does that so beautifully. So we are going to the library. Then I'll come right back up. <laughs> If you take away one thing from today's episode, it is to read Stamped. <laughs> so the authors, it's Jason Reynolds is the the author of the revised YA version, and he co-authors it with Ibram Kendi. Got Perfect. it. Perfect. So read that. Okay. <laughs> uh, next, what's one of your favorite books, and what type of impression didn't leave on you? So that's a, that was also a tough one. I had to, like, comb through my Goodreads because I feel <laughs> I'm a favorite reader, too, the book that I sometimes love the most is the book that I've – one of the books I've just recently read because it's, like, on my yeah. forefront. And I feel like when you read a lot, like, you forget what you read. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, so you're, like, good. when someone asks you, like, oh, can you tell me a good book? And you're, like – Just the oh, most recent one you read. Yeah. Like, and that's – you know, and that's also the one, like, you talk about in, like, in conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say most recently the one that, like, stuck with me and I thought about for a long time was um, Punching the Air. Um, it was – it's also co-authored um, – by um, Ivy Zoboy and one of the um, Central Park Five. Um, and that book, and so the central, the story of the Central Park Five is there was a jogger in um, Central Park who was sexually assaulted. And she said that it was, you know, five teens. And so these five black teenagers in New York City were wrongly accused. And so this, there's documentaries out on it. There's like a a new Netflix show on it. Um, And they did their time. And then after they were incarcerated and did their time, they were exonerated. And so they were, and they were all juveniles. Um, And so like, this is what kind of set like, like their lives and their futures in motion. So one of the Central Park Five, um, Dr. Youssef Salam, he uh, is a lover of art and a lover of um, music and the spoken word. He partnered with Ivy Zoboy and told his story through a, a fictional character. So something similar happens in this book, Punching the Air, and it's told through verse. So, and if you are like a, a lover of art, there's also like beautiful artwork woven in it because the main character is an artist. Mm-hmm. The Some of the pages are so brief. It's only a, a few words of the poem, but it's so heart-wrenching to think about a juvenile being wrongly accused yeah. and being in jail. So yeah. that's, that's a great fictional book for social justice. So if you have some readers um, and some listeners who 
you know, the nonfiction is not for them right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that one is one that, like, just, like, stuck in my heart. Yeah, I'm definitely going to read that. That sounds so, really... And it's an easy read. Yeah. It's, it's written through And verse. I love books that have, like, different mediums involved. Like, when you see, like, the artwork yeah. that the character is working on as a part of the book, it really, it, like, adds to it. You can understand them better. It doesn't. And yeah. you really felt like you were, um, you were there with the character. Wow. So our last question is kind of like transitioning onto our topic today. So what are your thoughts on school reading assignments and how could they improve if you like? We have a couple of thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) We we probably have the same, I'm actually thinking we probably have like the same um, lens. So when I, my biggest thing is choice. Um, I understand, like I am not, I always say I'm not an English teacher. I am not a science social teacher. I am a reader. I am here because I'm a teacher and I love books. Um, I think we need to give choice. We can't read books by dead white guys that have been (laughs) being read for hundreds of years. Finally. And and they're outdated. Exactly. Even the words and the vocabulary, like there's so much teaching into it the poor teachers have to do because it's not our vernacular anymore. And I also feel like kids just don't really take away anything Yeah, they don't get into it. Exactly. Like we read Of Mice and Men last year and I, like I read it and it was fun and I analyzed it, but I didn't really take anything away yeah, from it that I, I could have if I like yeah. read it on my own and I feel like too it's not a book you know in 20 years when someone asks you like an influential book that you've read that's probably not, <laughs> that's not the, the one book. that you pull up um so I definitely feel we need to offer a choice of people mm-hmm. like so maybe someone really does want to read of my Minute. maybe someone really does want to read To Kill a Mockingbird but then there's other choices that meet those same, you know, elements of yeah. style um, that can be taught into um, or read snippets of it. Because if we really want to build um, my job, I, I mean, I think about like, because I have one lens, like my one lens is that everyone leaves seeing themselves as a reader and seeing themselves in a book, like saying, that's a book that I connect with. That's a mm-hmm. book that I can see myself in. Yeah. Um, and so I, the only way that that can happen is if we let students um, choose their own books. Yeah, because my non-reader friends, like, I ask yeah. them, well, you know, I read this book at school, didn't really like it. Like, it's just they can't get into it because exactly. they're, like, not even giving the book a chance based on what happened at school. And that is the perfect transition into (laughs) what we're going to be talking about, which is about the bias against reading that sort of fosters in a school environment. So I think that this is really important, like how it starts, right, is really just like assignments and stuff that force you to read. Um, Going on, like, what do you think could prevent it? Other than just letting kids choose is there anything else that could be like incorporated or done to help prevent this bias? Yeah, and I actually said this in a meeting with teachers the other day, and I said we like we can't pass judgment on books. Um, you know, I think about especially like thinking about the younger level because not seeing yourself as a reader and not loving reader definitely starts from an early age. Mm-hmm. Like there are definitely students and um, kids who get turned off in reading once things start getting required or like life picks yeah. up for them, but it also happens early on and. There's definitely books I would have on the shelves that kids would love checking out and I thought were, like, 
absolute garbage. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't buy them as a gift for someone. I would not book talk it because it was just, oh, yeah. <laughs> But kids loved them. Yeah. So I had to keep buying them. And, and they and it literally took up, like, a shelf and a half. <laughs> oh it God. was nuts. Do you guys read Geronimo Stilton when you were in third and fourth grade? Yes. Oh, yeah. gosh, oh, I had, like, the cartoons so... on it. But you can't, as an adult, we can't pass judgment on yeah. what someone's reading yeah. and saying, well, that's not good enough. You know, you have to read something longer. You have to read something with more words. You can't read something with pictures. You can't read a graphic novel. If you got to let um, people read what they want to read. Yeah. Um, and no one's going to build a habit and become a reader off of being forced to read something they don't want to read. Exactly. I think that's really important. Yeah. And I think, like, teachers, not like it's their fault because I'm sure it's just, like, the way it works at schools. But I feel like they should listen to students and their opinions because – Especially those who are non-readers, I feel like they should have a bigger say yeah. just because they clearly don't like reading because of these school assignments. Uh-huh. So someone needs to listen to them and like they should get the opportunity to read the books they want to read. Exactly. Or have the chance to even discover that they could potentially like reading. So like if you could improve one thing about general like English assignments as a whole, what would that thing be? I would definitely say choice yeah. um, because I they because the teachers they have a really difficult job they have to teach you know yeah. what they're going to teach yeah. and it's also the one thing you run into at the high school level that you may not run into you know in your years prior is the passion each teacher has for their content you know you have to think about like English teachers yeah. became English teachers maybe because they loved being teachers and they just also loved English. But a lot of them just because, like, they love literary analysis. They yeah. love, you know, the written word. Um, and that's what they're passionate about. So it's figuring out how to transfer that and how to teach kids that are mm-hmm. hate it or not passionate yeah. about it. And I definitely think that does come down to letting kids choose and allowing them time to read. Yeah, You know, you have packed schedules. Kids have jobs. Kids have outside, um, you know, extracurriculars, um, taking all of their attention, we need to build time into the day with that pattern to let everyone do some reading and not pass judgment. If I yeah. see someone who wants to read a graphic novel, like let them read a graphic novel. If they want to read nonfiction, read nonfiction mm-hmm. um, and figure out how to build that into the structure so that everyone is building that reading life while they're learning what they need to learn about um you know, the English language. And here's a really good example of what I don't want to happen. So there was a student, and this is less, I guess, part of the faults on teachers, but then a part of the faults on publishing as a whole, because there's so many biases in um, publishing and authors and books. She was a sophomore last year. It was the first book she read about a Muslim character that she actually saw herself as. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't one-sided. It wasn't um contrived like it was truly written it was written by a muslim author and the character was just portrayed in a way that she was like oh my gosh she became a reader last year yeah she read because she had assignments because she's a good student and she did what she was supposed to but she never went home in her free time and read books until last year um so i really think like those assignments where you have a little bit of choice is where you're gonna take that kid who's on the cusp of like being a good student but not a reader and, like, turn them on to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I think the kids who are maybe not great students, maybe because they're not readers, 
we need to figure out how to get the books um, that are going to keep them reading and build up their stamina mm-hmm. so that they can become better readers. Okay. And like we were talking about before, if we have like a more diverse range instead of just books written by old dead white guys, yes. right? Then you have like like the student who's able to see herself in a book and then that catapults it her to read. So we can get like more students who actually see themselves in what they're reading. And I feel like it's not just reading that, like obviously reading is our topic, but in school like there's also a bias for math like oh math is too hard like I feel like it's a set bias students have that just we need to find ways to change that yeah it's a mindset and I and I definitely think it's um we're as a teacher and someone who's worked in the district for a long time it's something that we're working on um but it's definitely something that we we still have a lot more work to do yeah Thank you for listening to Page Break. As always, you can find us on all our socials, which I will be linking below instead of saying, because that's a lot of work. Um, And yeah, go read books. Yeah, (laughs) and go read Colleen Hoover. Oh my God.